Good morning, Nashville. My name is Braden Gall, and this is the 440 for Thursday, December 17th. Today on the show, we will have a recap of National Signing Day in the SEC, an NBA bet that I simply could not pass up, but we begin with Derrick Henry and the Tennessee Titans. Let me try to put a new spin on the Derrick Henry workload conversation, considering that he's likely to be run into the ground against Detroit on Sunday and probably for every other game the Titans play this year. First, what does the scientific data say about playing running back in the NFL? I'll spare you all of the regurgitated numbers and historical context because all you really need to know is that if you carry the ball too many times, you never really do it again. Only five guys have ever carried the football more than 400 times in an NFL season, and almost all of them declined rapidly shortly thereafter, Eric Dickerson maybe being the possible exception. There is no denying the facts that playing running back in the NFL is absolutely brutal. It might be the most physically demanding position in any major American sport today. You are a walking ragdoll after 300 carries, much less 400. Linebackers, safeties, defensive linemen are all bigger, stronger, and faster today than they've ever been before. And frankly, the human body is not designed to be hammered 25 times every weekend by massive, fire-breathing defensive monsters. This is where I'll try a new angle. That Derrick Henry is a modern human evolution experiment playing out in front of us in real time. Derrick Henry is just NFL Darwinism at its finest. Has there ever been a human being like Derrick Henry? Maybe back when our primary characteristic needed to be, can you chase down a dinosaur on foot? But in the NFL, no one has ever been built like him, not even Eddie George. The NFL is now the laboratory for the human evolution experiment. We fight wars with cyber technology and flying robots. If I told you to pinpoint the finest form of physical human evolution, power, speed, toughness, strength, and obviously this is highly scientific, it might actually be playing running back in the NFL. On one side of the experiment, we have the most physically grueling thing you can do in modern American sport, a sport that is undefeated at destroying players when challenged. On the other hand, we have the next logical physical form of football evolution, a six foot three, 260 pound human who can run 22 miles an hour while carrying a football 25 times into a snarling brick wall every single weekend. I watched Eric Henry play football, and my mind tells me that there are limits and boundaries on what the human body can withstand within the confines of the sport. But throughout the history of mankind, we have evolved to shatter limits and boundaries. We'd never seen Michael Vick until Michael Vick showed up, and he forever changed the way we as NFL fans view the quarterback position. Only time will tell if Henry is just another elite player forced through the NFL meat grinder and spit out the other side or if he will change the running back position forever. Because if I had to guess, Mike Vrabel and Arthur Smith are going to conduct this experiment over the next few weeks. Recruiting a football roster capable of winning conference championships, especially in the SEC, takes years, not months, and certainly not one day in December or February. But as roughly 80% of the class of 2021 signed their letters of intent on Wednesday, we at least got a glimpse of what sort of scintillating tomfoolery we can expect from the revamped SEC recruiting trail. With three new coaches set to take over this year on the heels of four new coaches last year, half of the SEC has now turned over its leadership in the last 12 months. Lane Kiffin was not only the biggest headline hire of last year's group, but he's also made the biggest headlines on National Signing Day as well. Mary Flipmas came early in Oxford as the Rebels went from outside of the top 60 entering the week in the recruiting rankings to inside the top 20 with a huge flurry of activity this week. 
Kiffin is interesting even when he's intentionally trying to be boring. I am already thoroughly entertained by his trollish magic on the recruiting trail. Elsewhere in the SEC, in a shocking development, Alabama has the number one class in the nation and will have good football players. Georgia had a quiet day on Wednesday, but has yet another elite recruiting class, sitting currently at number two in the SEC and number three in the nation. Coach O and LSU had a big week despite an awful season, continuing his regional domination, and is number three in the SEC and number four nationally. Tennessee held firm with the number 15 ranked recruiting class in the country, which is unfortunately good for just sixth in the SEC. But 15 is the magic number to remember in football recruiting. No one since Georgia Tech or Colorado in the early 90s has won a national championship recruiting on average outside of the top 15. Basically, if you're inside the top 15 on average over a four or five year window, you've got a chance to compete for titles. Of course, it takes great coaching, great development, tons of resources, and probably a little bit of luck too, but you got to start with the dudes. As I always say, just because you have great players doesn't make you automatically a great team. But there are no great teams that don't have great players. Vanderbilt landed a top 50 class despite not having a coach, which has been largely held together by toothpicks and chewing gum the last few weeks. So new coach Clark Lee has likely been making a lot of phone calls. The big losers were Auburn and Mississippi State. Both lost a bunch of commitments to division rivals and missed out on a lot of their big targets. It's not hard to trace Auburn's issues back to the firing of Gus Malzahn this weekend and recruiting in the heart of the Deep South was always the big question mark surrounding Mike Leach's hiring in Starkville. Whoever Auburn hires will certainly shake up the dynamic in the SEC West for better or for worse, but I'm already pretty satisfied with the Kiffin, Saban, Fisher, Orgeron recruiting war that is only going to continue to rage for the foreseeable future. Filed underneath the heading of don't tell me your picks, just show me your bets, NBA MVP odds have come out, and according to the book that I'm using, Luka Doncic is the favorite to win the award at plus 400. But as I scrolled down, I got to the 22nd name on the list, and I just couldn't help myself. The Grizzlies' John Morant checked in at plus 15,000 to win the NBA MVP. And for a chance to win almost 800, yes, bones or clams or whatever they say, I thought it was totally worth the five bucks. Go Grizz. Memphis will play the Hawks tonight at 7 p.m. and Saturday on NBA TV at 7 p.m. as well to wrap up its preseason before the Grizzlies' regular season opener at home on December 23rd against San Antonio. Yes, the NBA is starting next week. I will be taking the little ladies to a light show tonight. We are checking out Jingle Beat down at the fairgrounds. It is an outdoor drive-through light, sound, and sensory experience that brings the enchanting and playful joys of the holiday season to life in an unforgettable adventure for all ages. At least that's what it says on the website. My kids are two and four and will be eating dinner in the car, driving through this insane sensory experience. I will have a thorough review for you on Friday morning. The event runs through the 31st, and you can check out more information at eamotion.com. Otherwise, thank you guys all for listening. Tell one person. That's all. Just share it. Tell one person about the show. We do appreciate it. My name is Braden Gall. You can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall, at 440 Sports on Twitter and Facebook, as well as at 440 Media on Instagram. This has been the 440 for Thursday, December 17th. The 440 is a production of 440 Media, written and produced by Braden Gall, music by William Tyler.